Welcome to the Given Road Podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm the pastor at Given Road and your host for this podcast. Today you'll be listening to a sermon I did on Sunday about how to have a real relationship with God and why you need the Holy Spirit to do that. Um, but before we get into it, I uh, just wanted to say that this will be an ongoing podcast, not just with sermons, but we're going to do interviews with people from the church on uh, relevant topics, and we're going to have some bigger names on the show in Christianity uh, that uh, make an impact in, in the their community and the global community. So the first one we'll do it will be next uh, later on this week, actually, with Shane Claiborne. It's actually a recycled podcast from one that I did under my old podcast name, but it's been taken off the internet since then. So I'm going to re-edit it and upload it here for you to listen to. So without further ado, let's get into things. Here is my sermon on how to have a real relationship with God. If you want a real relationship with God, you need the Holy Spirit. I say that again. If you want a real relationship with God, you need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God and he's an aspect of God and a personality of God, a person of God that we, I think, ignore a lot in the modern church. And that's why we're going through this series on the Holy Spirit saying, calling it Forgotten God. Uh, because we, we tend to ignore him, uh, we tend to look past him, we tend to not listen to him, and, uh, when, in fact, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. So if we, if you want a real relationship with God, and to experience all the things that are talked about in the Bible, that are written about in Scripture, you need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, in, inside of you. What does it mean to be known? Who knows you the best? Is it a friend? Is it a coworker? Is it a family member? Is it your mom, your dad, your spouse? Is it sometimes we're more honest about who we are on the internet anonymously? Is it some anonymous person on the internet who knows who you are the best, who you are inside? Uh, because we all wear masks. Um, we, we all of us do. It's just it, it's just how we're program sort of is to, to, to blend in with whatever situation we find ourselves in. So if you're in a social situation, you might put on your social mask, whereas you might be an introvert and that might take a lot of energy out of you. Or if you are, um, I don't know, if you're just hanging out with a different group of friends, a different group of people, uh, having fellowship with people, you might put on your fellowship mask. I think a lot of us are wearing our church mask right now, uh, myself included. Uh, no, <laughs> Danny's like, I don't have a church mask. I'm 100%, 100%. Um, and so when we're all wearing our masks, we only let ourselves be known to people a little bit at a time. And we only let ourselves be known to people, uh, what we want those people to know about us, uh, a little bit at a time, but we are meant to be known by God and God does know you and he knows everything about you and he knows how, how many hairs you have on your head and he knows what you would get for your 13th birthday 4,000 years ago, right? Uh, he, he, he knew from the dawn of time, he knew your name and he knew that you were coming and he's not surprised by your circumstance or, or by the life that you lead or by anything else like that because he knows who you are and he knows who he's called you to be. And so that's what we're talking about today is the Holy Spirit is what brings us from who we think we are, who we're showing to everybody else in the world and who we are being called to be by the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about crucifying the flesh. And that means whatever is uh, in in your your life that you are 
ashamed of or embarrassed of or that is sinful, just like putting it on display. Because like what's the worst that's going to happen? It, like and honestly at worst what happens is that you reach somebody and you say this is like look this is my life. This is who I am. I'm not this perfect person. I have these sins in my life. I'm struggling, but Jesus is doing a work in me. I'm not the same person today that I was yesterday. I'm not the same person tomorrow that I was today, and I'm certainly not the same person today I was a year ago. Um, if you follow movies, you'll know that the uh, uh, director of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise just got uh, fired for something he posted on Twitter 10 years ago. And I, I kind of thought that was harsh uh, in the sense that, not that like his, he made this joke and it was crude and it was crass and it was uncalled for and I think you should apologize for it. I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, but, uh, but I think something that you did 10 years ago, you're a different person then than you are today. And the funny thing is, is it's Disney who fired him. And if you go way back in Disney's histories, they're super racist. Uh, so if you're going to fire people for uh, things that they've done in the past, be able to hold yourself to the same account, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, it's, we are not the same yesterday as we were today. We're new creations each day. Each day we have brand new mercies for us. And that is something amazing about God. There's this awkward stage of marriage. Um, Few of you are married. Uh, actually, only two of you are married, and it's to each other. Um, but uh, there's this awkward stage in marriage where you start learning things about your spouse that didn't always come out in the dating process. That didn't always come out. And sometimes it's something little. It's like, oh, he leaves his socks on the floor all the time. That's what I do. That's mine. That's my uh, cross. To, uh, Sarah's cross to bear. It's my sin. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, often it's something else. It's something deeper. It's something about our sinful past and who we were and who, uh, not, not who we are necessarily. Well, yeah, it is who we are because it's, it's something that we're learning to deal with. But you learn each other's secret faults and then you have to grow through them. And I think this is where a lot of marriages break up is that people can't move past their faults. They can't see people, they can't see their spouse with the same grace that Christ shows us. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to see our spouse with the same grace that Jesus showed to us and sees us with. Uh, and so while we are wildly sinful people, um, I saw most of you at the wedding last night. I know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know how you act. Um, no, it's, uh, it, while we are sinful people, he sees us as his beloved and as, as his, uh, like his, his bride, his wife, essentially. We're going to get into that in a little bit because I've always struggled with that concept of being the bride of Christ when I'm not a girl. Um, I'm like, I'm not a chick. I'm a dude. I'm not a bride. But uh, it, it always sort of, it, it's something that I had to grow into and really come to understand and God really changed my heart about it. So we'll get into that in a minute. But there, there's this moment where you learn each other's secret faults and you have to grow through them. And if you can't grow through them, the marriage won't last. And so sometimes, like I said, it's something small. Other times it's something quite larger. Um, other times it's things like, I know people who did not disclose how much debt they were in before they got in a relationship with people. I know people who did not disclose that they were addicted to pornography before they got in a relationship with this person. And so this all comes out after the wedding and it's shocking. Uh, but it's, it's when we're able to uh, move through that and move past that and have the same grace for our spouse as Jesus has for us, uh, we find strength in our marriage. Strength comes through grace. Strength comes through grace because as we work through it, we become more like Christ. 
when we show each other the grace, not only are we acting as Christ that way, but when we receive grace, we become more like Christ just by the sheer nature of receiving grace. So strength comes through grace. It's been the hardest moments in Sarah's and my marriage that have made it as strong as it is. It's been the moments that we almost broke up that when we worked through that, our marriage became stronger. Strength comes through grace. You need to be known by your spouse and vice versa. And like, like you need to be stripped bare. And I don't mean clothing. I mean, like you need to let your spouse know your innermost thoughts and your, your hopes and dreams and your doubts and your confusions and, and, and your sins and your victories and your failures and everything. You need to be known by your spouse and vice versa. And that's important because we are the bride of Christ. Like I said, this is something I've always struggled with, being the bride of Christ when I am a heteronormative male. Um, God wants to know you. And more than that, he wants to be known by you. God sees you bare in everything that you are, in everything that you've been, in everything that you've done. He sees you bare and he loves you. And he has grace for you. And so he's calling you, calling you to something more, to a deeper relationship to him. And that deeper relationship is to be known by God. So how do we know God? Because God is, is great and wide and vast and deep and tall and, and all the other things that come along with the, the, the description of all the omnis that God possesses. Uh, and, and so how do we even come close to knowing that? It's like trying to, trying to know everything that's in the ocean by scooping up a Dixie cup worth of water. It's like, it's, it's, it's impossible to know God. So how do we even come to begin to know who God is and who God wants us to be and why God has placed us where we are and what he want, where he wants us to go and, and how do we do all these things? And the answer is just simply, we just need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit if you want a real relationship with God, with your creator. You need it because that's the part of God that is the relationship with us. And we're, 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 so we're, I'm going to get into some scripture in a little bit and, and we'll talk about it more then. But I mean, so we are the sons and daughters of God and we are the bride of Christ. And that's always also been weird for me to me. I'm like, how are we the son of God, but the bride of Christ? Like that doesn't, that seems like a weird relationship, but because God exists in three persons, it's actually totally natural. We are the sons and daughters of the father and we are the bride of Christ. So, as we come to be the bride, we have this relationship with Jesus where we expose ourselves honestly to him because he knows it all anyways. He knows the secret sins in your closet. He knows even the sins you don't know that you did. But when we expose ourselves to him and say, here I am, Lord, take me as I am and make me into whatever you want me to be made as. There's power in that and there's grace in that. And that's how we start coming to having a real relationship with God because he sees us and he interacts with us. And when we show ourselves to him, he shows himself to us. When we show ourselves to God, he shows himself to us. Why does it matter? Didn't people have relationships with God before the Pentecost? Like I've been talking about Pentecost, I feel like, for a month straight. Maybe I have been, but it's just so foundational to our faith and to the Holy Spirit, what we're talking about. That, that like, so, like, the 
Pentecost is when the Spirit of God fell on the disciples in fire, and they spoke all different languages to the people who were there so that they could all receive the gospel in the language that they came from. Uh, and then indwelt in them. And it was God saying, this is where my spirit is now. It's in people. It's not in a room. It's not in a building. It's not in a temple. It's not out in heaven. It's in people. My spirit dwells in people. This is where my spirit lives. Didn't people have relationships with God, though, before the Pentecost? Isn't that something, like like we read the Old Testament, is way longer than the New Testament, and it's full of examples of people who had relationships with God before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And you would be right to say that, because that's true. But where God fell on people in the Old Testament, like you read Judges and like Samson, like and even unrighteous people, like, I mean, the it's, it's funny how God uses the most righteous person but how that person still sucks. Like, they're a bad person. Samson is a bad person, and yet the Spirit of God fell on him repeatedly. And that's how he had this relationship with God. The Spirit of God was able to communicate with us and, and have this relationship with us, but it wasn't the same as after Pentecost when it indwelled with us. There's a certain intimacy that comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And indwelling just means that he's living inside of you. You are the temple now. You are the temple. You are the, the residence of God. He is omnipresent, and that includes you. Uh, if you believe with your mouth and confess, sorry, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you are saved, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And if you doubt that the Holy Spirit is inside of you, then let's pray for you. Let's like come to me afterwards and say, like, I really want this. I want this Holy Spirit in my life. I want this to be something that uh, changes me and, and that I, I want to see this transformation happen. And I will, like, um, I'm flying solo today, but I'll pray for you. And like when Andre and Julie get back, they'll pray for you. And, and Peter would pray for you. And I'm sure Misha would, and Dahlia would pray for you guys um, as well. Uh, anyone like we just need, we just lay hands on you and we just pray that the spirit of God falls in you. And I believe that he will because, and, and it's amazing when he does, because it's this intimacy that is even greater than the intimacy shared by a husband and wife. Like as much as we can have intimacy with each other as people, there is a border and a wall in that we can't exist inside of each other. We become one flesh through marriage, but, uh, but but God exists in us and becomes our indwelling and our in temple and 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 reveals us gives us a little bit of that cosmic whatever it is that spirit of God to be inside of us and to guide us and so I always refer to Pentecost as the anniversary of the church because it's like it's when the church was born in in Old Testament uh, the Pentecost is where a celebration of where when God gave the Torah to the Jews. And in Christianity, it's a celebration of when God gave his spirit to all people. And, and that's an amazing thing. So we get to celebrate our, God, our, our anniversary with God through what's called anamnesis, which is a Greek word that basically means uh, lived memory. We get to celebrate our anniversary with God through lived memory, uh, through, through love and service and wisdom and order and wonder. We get to, we get to celebrate celebrate our God and celebrate with God this anniversary of when we became his people because we weren't there at the Pentecost. We didn't see, we weren't the apostles. We didn't see the apostles. We didn't see the fire fall from heaven. And yet it is something that we're called to remember in the same way that the Jews are called to remember what happened at Mount Sinai. And so in the Old Testament, when the Jews are given um, the law, they meet God on Mount Sinai and, and they pray these blessings over themselves and these curses over themselves if they should like fall uh, in in the um, covenant that they're making, if they should not hold up their their uh, 
their side of the covenant, um, then they're like, and may this happen to us if we fall uh, through this covenant. But um, God, the interesting thing is that God actually takes, when they do fail the covenant, God takes the blame for it. He takes the fall. He takes the sin by sending his son into the world. And when he, he makes covenant with Abraham in Genesis, uh, he, it's supposed to, they're supposed to cut this cow in half and then walk through it. But in actuality, what happens is they cut the cow in half and then God makes Abraham fall into a deep and dreadful sleep. And God passes through the cow by himself as a lamp in a, in a jar, essentially. And so when God is on Mount Sinai, he's promising with Israel, he's saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. And so Israel were called to remember that all through uh, the Old Testament, whenever there was a moment where they were falling behind or, or, or not holding up their end of the bargain, the prophets would call them and say, remember when we stood on Mount Sinai. Even though those people they were talking to at that time had not been alive at that point, had been generations and generations before when uh, like their grandparents, 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 and, uh, and, and that's who made this covenant, but they still were held to it and were called to remember it through this anamnesis, through this lived memory. And it's the same we do with communion. When we have the bread and the wine, or the juice, um, I was at an Anglican church, not an Anglican church, a United Church, uh, leading worship one Sunday about a year ago, and uh, they were doing communion, and I didn't know that uh, United Church does wine with their communion, and so I, I took, I like, sort of like, took the shot as I normally do with the communion cup, but I was like, oh, there's a bite to that, okay, <laughs> and it sort of caught me off guard, but we... Um, we do this through communion. We remember who God is, who Jesus is, what he's done, and and what he's called us to and what he's promised us through anamnesis, through this lived memory. We're called to celebrate our anniversary with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that allows us to celebrate that. The Spirit of God is freedom. And sometimes freedom is scary. We always think that, oh, of course, freedom is better than not being free. But what we don't realize is a lot of the time we are, we have caged ourselves. We have captured ourselves, uh, in our sins and, and, and we don't want God to come in and fix us because that's scary. Because right now, all this bad stuff I've done is hidden and no one has to know about it and it's going to be fine. And it's all going to be great if uh, if I can just keep it under wraps and I, I'll do better next time. I promise God. And then we don't. Um, it's everything that we've done, we keep buried. And when we allow the Holy Spirit in us, he brings up all the stuff that we had been struggling with and that we had been letting get in the way of our relationship with him. And uh, he... he brings it to the surface, and we have to crucify the flesh, like we talked about last week. We have to put it on display. We have to kill it in agony and put it on display for everyone to see so that we can say, this is where I've been, this is where I'm going. And that's a terrifying process. I don't like doing it. I'm sure you don't like doing it, but it's necessary. And when we do it, we become this amazing witness for who God has called us to be. We become this amazing witness for who God is and the grace that he has. And people say, hey, I also struggle with that. I also struggle with my anger. I also have an addiction to pornography. I also uh, uh, steal things every once in a while. I don't know. Like whatever it is that you're struggling with, like whatever it is that your temptation is, uh, God is calling you to put that on display so that other people struggling with the same thing can be helped by you. And it's amazing that when we see that, because we see then God taking our biggest hurts and our biggest shame 
and making us unashamed of it and making it not hurt us. And in fact, using it as a main ministry point. So I've seen people who are the victims of sexual abuse rise up and, and help people who are the victims of sexual abuse. And I've seen people who are drug addicts rise up and help people who are drug addicts. And I've seen people who uh, have anger issues rise up and help people who have anger issues because the Holy Spirit is transformative. And part of that transformation is being used, is allowing the Holy Spirit to use you, to move through you in this supernatural way. There's no way to explain, like there's no way I could have uh, come out and conquered pornography on my own right? There's no way I could have done that. Uh, it was sheerly the spirit of God living inside of me that allowed me to do that. Galatians 4, 6 to 9 says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child of God. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. If you don't know what an heir is, that's somebody who, like, in, you inherit the, what the father leaves behind when he dies. Um, you, have, you have a claim to your father's house. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who, by nature, are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it then that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? We do this thing, and I want to focus on the first part of this, but we do this thing where we mess up and then we build a box for ourselves. We shut God out when we sin, and that's not what he wants. I mean, God doesn't want you to just go around sinning willy-nilly and uh, like not caring about it, but God does not want you to shut him out when you sin. God wants you to come back to him. He's this ever-present, ever-faithful God who just who sits there and calls to us when we stray away from him. God, God does not want us to do that. So in, as this verse ends, he says, do you wish to be enslaved all over again? He's talking about the slavery to sin because we, we build this prison for ourselves. When in reality, God is calling us to repentance. God is calling us to, to newness. God is calling us to so many great things. But the Spirit of God who dwells in you calls out Abba Father. And Abba is, I mean, you've probably heard this before if you've ever been in a church, ever. Uh, Abba Father, Abba is like this, like, it's daddy. It's this Greek word for dad. Uh, and it's it's this, like, it's just, actually, sorry, it is Hebrew. It's because uh, Abba, yes, um, sorry. Uh, not that that even mattered. I could have said Greek and no one would have batted an eye. But, um it's this word that means daddy. Um, and so when we come to God, we're able to approach him in the same way that you would go to your actual father if he were a good man, right? Like, uh, and I say if because there are lots of us uh, who, I mean, my dad was fantastic. I love him. I miss him. Uh, but uh, he was great, uh, but still sinful. And so we're all still sinful. And so if your father, uh, some of us don't have great dads. We don't have a great relationship with our dad. We don't have... Uh, a dad who's even around some of the time, or if he is around, then he is, could be abusive or manipulative or any number of things. So if your father was a good man, you could approach God the same way that you could approach your father who was a good man. You can curl up in God's lap and say, hi, daddy. Uh, like, yeah, that's essentially what it is. Um, and, and, and that's important because it's part of how God knows us and how we know God. Uh, it, it's, it's how God sees you. 
and it's how you see God. Um, and so it's, it's, that's the goal for our relationship with the father person of the Trinity is to have this fatherly relationship with him. Romans 8, 5, 15 to 17 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received has brought about your adoption as sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, we are his heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So everything Jesus receives from the Father, we receive also because of the Holy Spirit. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So it's called, so it's, it's, it's this thing where like, if the spirit is in you, you will be transformed, right? If the spirit is in you, you will be transformed. And, and it might be a slow transformation. It might be like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, or it could be a drastic transformation. I've had both where I, I've had my heart changed a little bit, a little bit at a time. And then where I've just seen the error of my ways and seen uh, the sin in my life and said, I need God desperately. But again, we cry out, Abba, Father, and we're co-heirs with Christ. Everything that is Christ is ours, which is amazing. Um, and I want to focus on on this because I think we get down on ourselves a lot, uh, especially um, younger people. Uh, I think we, like, I remember when I was like 15 to 17, uh, just being like some of the darkest years of my life just because it was so, I was so depressed and I hated myself and everything like that. Uh, but I, I do this a lot with youth groups. And I want to do it with you guys too, because I think it's important. Um, here's a picture of me and my kids. Uh, I think Eli and Caleb are three in that picture and Isaiah is, or maybe four and Isaiah is like one. Um, and I love them. And like, especially like, not especially Isaiah, but I mean, to, to use a term that focuses on him, to use an example that focuses on him specifically, um, in this picture, he's a baby. He has done nothing to ever like cause me to be angry with him. And yet as he grows and he is often an obstinate child, um, he can do nothing that I will make me not love him. And so when, when I look at this picture, and I look at you, I see no difference. There is no difference between you and these children in this picture with you and God. The only difference is that I am a sinful person and God is not. I am by nature a sinful father and God is not. So there's no difference between you. You've done nothing that could create your, your, this baby. Like you've done nothing that could separate you from the love of God and you can do nothing that can separate you from the love of God because we cry out, Abba Father. He is our, our, our Father and our, our Lord. So what do I do with all of this? You need to accept, invite, and take. Everybody say accept, invite, take. You need to accept grace. You need to invite the Holy Spirit. And you need to take time for God, even 10 minutes a day. Like, that's all that you need. I mean, you need more, but like, it's a start. Just take 10 minutes a day, five minutes to focus on God as your father, five minutes to focus on God as your lover, as someone who loves you deeply and intimately. Accept, invite, take. Because if you haven't invited the Holy Spirit into your life, uh, like, that's, that's the key part of it. 
like to say like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, um, is great. Um, but you also need to invite him. You need to, cause I've said, I said, I love Jesus for years without understanding that I didn't mean it. Right. Like without understanding that true love requires some kind of action. Um, I can't say that I love God and then not love his children. I can't say that I love God and then go off and, and fill my life with bad and negative images. I can't say even that I love God and hate myself, right? Because God wants us to love him the way he loves us and the way that he loves, uh, or he wants us to love ourselves the way he loves us. Sorry. So take 10 minutes, five minutes for father, five minutes for lover. And then once you're comfortable doing that, take 20 and take 30 and take 40, uh, read a devotional book. Devotions are huge. Uh, read the Bible, just anything, just spend time with God, even just sit in silence and wait and listen. And you might not hear an audible voice saying, this is my will for your life, but you will probably start seeing patterns in your life that God is speaking through and people in your life that God is speaking through. Again, why does it matter? Because you can't embrace your adoption without the Holy Spirit. The verse in Romans said that we it enables us to 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 become adopted sons and daughters of God. And um, I don't know. I, I've never adopted a child, but I do know parents who have adopted a child, and uh, parents who have had their own children, and parents who have done both. Uh, and what I've noticed from parents who have adopted children, be it their only child or if they have some of their own, is they love the adopted child with a specific fiercity, a fierceness that is unequaled uh, to anything I've ever seen. Like it's, they love their other children the same way, but specifically the, the adopted child, they're like, no, this is mine. And anyone who tries to question that, anyone who tries to come in the way of that, they're like, no. Like, grr, this is mine, rar, uh, and, and like back off. God loves you in the same way. He has adopted you as a son or a daughter, and he loves you with this fierceness. Like uh, the Newsboy song, like, my God's not dead. He is surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. Like that's, why, that's what he's doing for you right now is he has adopted you, and he's protecting you fiercely because that's who he is, uh, and that's the way he loves you. Um, you can't embrace your role as a bride without the Holy Spirit because we are not ready. Like you need to be cleansed and you need to be, uh, uh, made new before you can like, uh, go and, and like, so traditionally, I mean, in Jewish tradition, the bride takes a baptism before her wedding because she wants to make sure she's like ritualistically clean and spiritually clean and physically clean. And so she takes this baptism before her marriage or before her uh, wedding ceremony. And that's sort of why we get baptized too, is, is we believe, and then we believe that we're the bride of Christ. So we need to be cleansed physically, spiritually, emotionally, ritualistically, however you want to put it. We need to cleanse ourselves. And the spirit is the thing that does that because the spirit is working inside of you towards your transformation. The last reason why it matters is because heaven is a right now kind of thing. It's not something that we go to when we die. And some of you might be thinking, did the pastor just say we don't go to heaven when we die? That's not what I said. 
it's not just something that we go to when we die. It is a right now kind of thing. It's something that we bring in the present as we serve God, as we trust God, as we work with God, as he transforms us. It's a right now kind of thing. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now. That's our prayer. And we can't begin that transformation on our own. Like we need Jesus to have died for us. We need the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And without those things, our transformation just won't begin. And you'll stay stagnant uh, unless you happen to be one of these people from the Old Testament who the Spirit of God falls on periodically. And even then, like you read, you read again through Judges, Samson was a bad, a Nazarite is a value, a Nazarite vow is a vow you take to not cut your hair. Samson was a bad Nazarite. Like, <laughs> Uh, and, and yet, uh, God was still able to use him. Um, and, and so it doesn't matter like where we are, what we've done, who we are, the forgiveness of Christ is on us as the spirit dwells inside of us. If you want a relationship with God, you need the Holy spirit. That's just the bottom line. That's where we're coming to. That's where we're closing at. If you want a relationship with God, you need the Holy spirit. And so how do we do that again? We need to invite him. We need to accept grace. And we need to take time to spend with God. We need to pray for each other. We need to um, take a look at our lives and, and see uh, who, who we've been, where we are, and where we're going, and crucify who we've been. Crucify our flesh, our sin, our, our, our evilness. We need to put it on display and kill it so that other people can see how to do that. So that other people can see that there is a way out. If you want a relationship with God, you need the Holy Spirit. And so I just, I encourage you now in this moment even to, to pray and invite that, to accept grace. Like that's the hardest one for me is, is, is accepting grace is being like, okay, I'm not a great person. I don't like myself very much, but God loves me and God forgives me. And so I'm going to accept that. And that's a hard thing for me to do. I think that's a hard thing for a lot of us to do, but it's, it's necessary. And, and even if you don't feel it right away, um, I had a, a therapist who told me once to stand in front, I was having self-esteem issues. She's like, stand in front of your mirror and tell yourself you're great. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I got to a point where I was like, all right, everything else I'm trying is not working. And so I said, and I was just like, you're God's creation. You're worthy. You're sinful, but you're worthy. He loves you. He's created you. He's making you new. And I did that every morning until I started actually feeling it. You kind of, I don't want to say fake it till you make it. Cause I don't like that term. Um, but, but you do it until it becomes a reality because that's how we start letting the Holy spirit in. So accept grace. Invite God right now in this moment. We'll pray in a minute, and, and, and we'll, we'll, I'll leave some space for that. And then take time to spend with God. Church is a great way of doing it. Fellowship is a great way of doing it. Solitude is a great way of doing it. Reading your Bible, listening to music, just taking moments to, to really give yourself to the Spirit of God and inviting Him in those moments to give Himself to you. If you want a relationship with God, you need the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, God. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. 
We thank you for the celebration we had last night, and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now, God. We thank you for speaking to us individually and speaking to us as a group, for speaking to us through scripture and through speaking to, for speaking to us through other people. All the ways you know how to communicate with us, Lord, you know how we are able to com- be communicated with because you created us and you create, you communicate with us in these amazing ways. And God, right now, we just want to ask that your Holy Spirit fall on us, Lord. If there are any here who desire that and have not yet invited you, God, this is the moment. This is the time. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and rest inside of us, to indwell in us, to purify us, and to to bring us closer to you, Lord, to help us, to give us the strength and the courage to crucify our flesh, to, to see where we've been, to see where we are, and to see where we're going, Lord. And when we, when we find hard times, God, we know that, that you did not bring hard times upon us, Father, but that you are with us in the hard time. That we do not serve a God who, who um, just knows about our struggles, Lord, but that we serve a God who, who, who weathers the storm with us, Lord. That you are Lord over even the dark things in our lives, God. That you have lordship over our lives, Lord. And we give that to you this morning. We invite you into our spirits, Lord, to, to have unity with us, to have union with us, to be your bride and your child. Lord, we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen.